Hi there, my name's Jack, and I love horrible movies. Each week on the Horrible Movie Podcast, producer Phil, a guest, and I talk about a horrible movie. We talk about the actors, directors, the budget, the box office, and like thereof. You also get silly songs, fake commercials, and too much fun to list on this promo. Available everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. film fans to a brand new episode of quality check podcast i'm one of your co-hosts daniel posey and joining me to the left drew douglas you got your shades on i have my shades i have my suit jacket and a skinny tie let me tell you something what's up you make this look good you make it look better what about the music video or more specifically the song that we just brought this podcast in with the Men in Black theme song. What do you think about that? I loved it. You know, that video, before we started recording, I pulled that up, and it has fifty-eight more than 58 million views on YouTube. I feel like that was huge on, like, TRL. You remember Total Request? Yeah. Live? This was a soundtrack. So they did, this was kind of unique in that it had the Danny Elfman score, mm-hmm. and they also released another CD, which was music, like the Will Smith song, Men in Black. It had some Snoop Dogg, some Genuine, some Nas. <laughs> Alicia Keys was on there. So I had a lot of people. And I bought both CDs. And you liked the sound soundtrack version with the actual music more, right? Like with Will Smith. Oh, sure. Yeah, I used to blare that all the time. I thought I was really cool because I knew the lyrics to Men in Black. That was a jam. And according to the views on YouTube, I'm so surprised, so surprised that it's that high because it's actually on Will Smith's, is it Vimeo? No, it's just his YouTube channel. And it was uploaded on May 9th, 2014. And it has 58 and a half million views. That's a lot for something to be that old and gain a lot of traction. But I've wondered if they've, over the years, been able to pull up more. I really like that song. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun song. Just but imagine how many views that video would have. Today. If they had posted it on YouTube when it came out in June of 1997. Or if they also used the title, That Too, Men in Black International. Ugh. <laughs> Will Film fans, if you have not guessed by now, we are covering Men in Black International and we're revisiting the original Men in Black. That's right, we're going back to new movie, old movie. Let's start off with Men in Black International. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. 
Welcome to MIB. Moving on, losing. You will be with Agent H, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's talk of the day. We've been compromised. It puts every citizen of this planet at risk. What is the plot? This is this is a big problem that I had watching this movie <laughs> numerous times. I as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, "What's happening here? And what where are we going? What are we doing right now? What's the point of life?" And honestly, I I can kind of piece together in my mind what it is, but to explain it to another human being, I can't do it. <laughs> And it's not like a crazy hard plot, but it's hard to... I don't know how to explain this to anybody because it's so poorly done. Let me try. Yeah, hit me. The plot of Men in Black International. A new recruit to the Men in Black gets a probationary task. Work with the battle-worn MIB veteran to suss out a mole in the organization. That is bare bones what it is. I I totally forgot about the mole element until I was writing this. I did not even realize, oh yeah, that's where we went. I've got a lot to say about the stats and also why this movie has tanked as hard as what it has. I won't be able to describe why, but at least look at some of those breadcrumbs that may be able to give us an insight into this very troubled release. Because there are some behind the scenes drama that ended up happening I had no idea about. I had no idea either. I know... At one point, they wanted to combine 21 Jump Street with mm-hmm. Men in Black. Because that came out in the Sony leak yep. two or three years ago. That was also right before the major Sony leaks that happened. And a lot of scripts, a lot of drama at Sony, just a lot of, lot of things happened and was put out to the internet, to everyone. And I was really curious... If that was the main reason why they decided to go with this straight-up Men in Black film rather than crossing over with 21 Jump Street, but I will get to that. Let's start off with the writers. We have Matt Holloway and Art Markham, who both wrote Iron Man with RDJ. Uh Uh-huh. Transformers The Last Night. That explains (laughs) why this... Why... That explains why this is so unnecessarily convoluted. And also get ready for this one. Another Marvel comic. Because Men in Black is actually a Marvel comic. It was a Marvel comic. And they, both Matt and Art, co-wrote Punisher Warzone. I kind of like that movie. That was a little fun. It's trash fun. Yeah, that would be a good way to describe it. I I agree with you on that. that. That's a good B movie. So, MIB International was directed by F. Gary Gray. Mm-hmm. Try saying that 10 times fast. I don't want to. <laughs> now, you were... I don't want to think about this guy you, ever you again. Were, so, why is that? You were talking about this off the show when we weren't recording uh, a few days ago. And you brought up his name attached to The Fate of the Furious. Which I think is the worst Fast and Furious movie. Ooh. He seems to inherit these established franchises and then doesn't do anything good with them. I'm really curious to hear what you have to say when we get into that, because 
a lot of this behind the scenes drama is kind of tied to him and a producer. But oh, no. Yeah. I just don't think he has any flair for one as a filmmaker. So you can't see what makes his movie a great film. Tell me this. Fa- the Fate of the Furious, I didn't think was very good. No, I haven't seen it, actually. Straight out of Compton, I didn't mm-hmm. see, actually. Law-abiding citizen is garbage. Whoa. He did Be Cool, which is the sequel to Get Shorty, mm-hmm. which is what Sonnenfeld did. Sonnenfeld directed the first mm-hmm. Men in Black. A Man Apart, didn't care for. The uh, the Italian Job, I never saw that. The the remake. Yes, with Wahlberg. The Negotiator, not that, good. That was the film with uh, Will Smith or uh, Sam Jackson, right? Yeah, and, and, your, Kevin and Spacey. Uh, your boy Kevin Spacey. Oof. He also did Friday, which I kind of like. It's been like a long time. I just, he's never done anything that's blown my top that you're now you're like oh that's f gary gray so seeing his name attached to mibby men that's... in black international <laughs> for anybody from this point on it's going to be either called mib mib two mib three or mibby mibby what's your favorite of those mibby i've been i just say it to myself nonstop. and that's the only that great is, thing about this film <laughs> it's the, it is by far the greatest thing about this movie is it spawned mibby I asked my girlfriend prior to seeing it, I go, you excited for Mibi? And she goes, what's that? And I go, Men in Black International. And she had the heartiest of laughs. (laughs) And I can tell you, neither of us had any hearty laughs watching Mibi unfold on the screen. What did Lexi think, by the way? Hated it. Oh, so as soon as it ended, she's like, I wish we left an hour ago. She instantly was just like, well, that was not good. Not the same as my girlfriend. She loved it. I don't get it. (laughs) And we're going to get into... How I want to know how your audience responded to this movie. Not good. <laughs> because, I mean, ours basically played in front of a room full of corpses. There was one scene where that got a good laugh, and it was uh, Kumail's character. I don't. We'll get into it, but I had zero emotions <laughs> watching this. Yeah, I uh, the the overall movie going experience wasn't awful, but there were so many moments of just forced laughter that they were trying to make us laugh and it just fell on deaf ears i think or everyone just wanted to not even be there literally people were walking out and taking a break during this movie taking a break like i gotta go i gotta get neuralized i can't take this any longer quote unquote stretching my legs it's not what i said somebody said that yes could not believe that Unbelievable, yeah, but I that's true. I can't remember what it is, but there was a movie I saw, and I hate, I never walk out of movies. If I pay to watch, I'm going to finish it. But there was one where I, I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I got up and went to the bathroom, and then I found myself just casually walking down the hall, just looking at all the movie posters because <laughs> I didn't want to go back inside. <laughs> and I could see a lot of people doing that with this. Yep. Actually, the guy next to us, he was laughing and clapping. They loved it. They loved wow. it. So it, the range of emotions everyone's feeling watching this is kind mm. of mind-blowing to me. Interesting. I don't think I laughed out loud once. I laughed, but after the movie was over, could not tell you what I laughed about. Yeah. I feel like there's one thing I laughed at and I couldn't, with a gun pointed to my head, I couldn't answer. <laughs> you would just say, Pawnee, Camille's character. I'm sure it was Pawnee and even I found him so grating that... <laughs> Man, the choices in this movie are something else. So let's continue with the behind the scenes crew. Producer, I want to bring up Walter Parks for a reason. Now, Walter has been attached to all the Men in Black films, including this one. 
Keep that name in mind. We will be returning to Walter here soon. He sounds like someone I'm going to want to punch. <laughs> I Honestly, after reading all of this, there's definitely something involving him and Gray that I just don't know what to think. And I, I'm ready for your hot takes on this. Actors and actresses. We've got Chris Hemsworth. Love him. Tessa Thompson. Like her. Camille Nanjani. Quite enjoy him. Rebecca Ferguson. My heart beats for Rebecca. <laughs> Had no idea what she was in this, by the way. That they was a nice surprise. They keep bringing up this Riza character. And I'm like, who? She's the most beautiful woman. Who is this person? And then she shows up with this wacky hair. Couldn't it's like Sia, the sing, song uh, songwriter and singer Sia. Not going to lie, I still found her very attractive. Ooh, ooh. With the third arm. Oh, yeah. Imagine what you could do. We, <laughs> we have also Emma Thompson. Wonderful. Wasted. And the other thing is, she's got another movie that's out right now, Late Night. Do you Late plan night. on seeing it? I can tell you I will not pay to go see that Ooh. movie. It was picked up at Sundance for $13 million, I believe. It, A record-breaking film to be picked up at Sundance. For, from Amazon, I believe? Yep. Yeah, so it'll be on Prime soon. I'll watch In it In two there. weeks, most likely. And we've got your boy, Liam Neeson. Now, I kept reading... I don't know how you can say this a lot. of the people, people kept saying this about Dark Phoenix, too, with like Fassbender and McAvoy, that they didn't want to be there, that they were phoning it in, that they were actually just like checking their watches as they were working. <laughs> I didn't get that impression with Liam. I felt like he was just doing his thing. Yeah. Is, is he redefining what it is to be an actor? No, but he was fine in this. I want to touch on some of these actors and actresses here. I didn't have a problem with Liam. Like you said, he didn't seem to be phoning in. He was, do, he was doing the normal Liam bit, but I enjoyed him. Although you 100% could predict what was going to happen with That's character. why I was really hoping they would do something different. And then, of course, you, they didn't. Sadly. Yeah, Com sadly for them. We, <laughs> the box yeah. office. Well, yeah, for the <laughs> entire film. I want to talk about Hemsworth and Thompson real quick. Okay. Both of those were a lot of fun together. In Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Here, I enjoyed Thompson. Hemsworth was like, what are you doing with Chris? He's kind of like grade A annoying in this. Yeah. You think? I was actually really kind of upset because I did not understand a lot of not only his character, but where they went with him. It, there was like no progression. It was just very flat. There's one moment I think they do something with that character. But what they basically did was take the 15% of Thor that's funny from Ragnarok. And they were like, let's make this. Let's just turn that into a character for two hours. And the thing with Thor is he can be silly like he is in this movie and say stupid stuff and be the, the butt of jokes. But he also turns on the hero mode. Sure. And he is Thor, and they didn't do that with this. And that was really upsetting because the previews, I just, I had some inkling that they would end up blowing this with Hemsworth. And I feel like Thompson, she was talking about how she always wanted to be in a Men in Black film. So it's a lot like Camille. In the Twilight Zone. Talking, yep. In our Twilight Zone podcast episodes, we were talking about how he always wanted to be in a Twilight Zone episode. So he worked really hard. Landed a role. Thompson, similar situation in this case. She wanted to be in a Men in Black film. And it's a stinker of all of the films. Is it, I'll just ask, is it the worst right now? Of the Men in Black? Mm -hmm. I don't know because 
I hadn't seen Men in Black in probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Men in Black 2 or 3 in a long time. And I was going to actually rewatch 2 and 3 after watching International because we were kind of in a rush to, to mm-hmm. see these and get this recorded. I... I don't see how either I, – I, I remember liking three. I know two is kind of a turd. I don't see how two could be worse than this. But I don't remember hating two. I remember two getting a lot of hate back in the day. I remember the villain not being very good. That's what I remember most. Yeah, I remember at least whenever that came out, what, middle school, high school? Yeah, I was in just maybe starting junior high because I was – when the original Men in Black came out, I was I was in the sixth grade. I think Men in Black Two would fare better too because it's just got better actors and it's yeah. a, the characters are established because they took the time to do it. Well, and they also with Men in Black took the appeal of the villain because she was like this lady who's more or less wearing negligee the entire Ooh. time, and she you remember that? And then they basically was it Laura Flynn Boyle? Is she the bad remember. guy? Yeah. Now that I remember looking her up recently and I saw her in something. I'm like, oh, wow, she was a men in black too. But yeah, it's just so sad that they ended up, I feel like wasting what could have been awesome between Hemsworth, Thompson, Neeson. There once in, there, there was a little bit at times it, it felt like there could have been something with Hemsworth and Neeson. And Camille. Now he plays Pawnee, this little gnome. Wouldn't you say? Basically, he's like a, he's t- like a miniature I, gnome. Is he a chess piece? Something like that. He's I like don't, protecting he's, the queen or something. Yeah. Now there were a few lines, a few quips that he had in here. He was kind of like the dog. I know Lexi brought this up. She keeps bringing up the dog in the first Men in Black, though. That Frank the Pug is only in it for maybe a minute and a half. I want to say he has a larger role in the second okay, film. Okay, that that might be what she's referring to. Yeah. This is this is probably too much because it's the he's the third wheel I think, but he made the scene one of the scenes better after they ended up crashing their bike in the desert. I thought he made that bit better, and we'll we'll we'll, just... we'll get to that later once we talk about that and kind of getting into the details of the film. Let's now move on to the budget. This film was made for 110 million. I looked today. And the budget after the weekend made right at 30 million. After the predictions came in, money has been scooped up by all of the film goers. 30 million. That's pretty bad. Very bad. And let me get into why. This is where we're going to transition into production woes. So, the lowest before this film, the lowest grossing MIB film domestically to date was in the low 50s. Sony's execs apparently, quote-unquote, gave up on trying to reach those numbers with International. And I think you can actually see that with the marketing, the trailers to this. I just, I was not really turned on by the trailers. I know when the first one came out, I was really nervous. But you you like that, right? What do you mean the low 50s? They've all done pretty well in the U.S. And low low 50 million. For like the weekend debut? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For, okay. Yeah, for the for the the premiere weekend. Now Will Smith's name. Exactly. I mean, that has I think a lot to do with it. The other thing. So returning to Graham, he almost left from directing this film, but was convinced by the studio to stay. 
he kind of had a little beef with producer Walter Parks, who Parks attempted to remake the script off the cuff. So after this battle ended up kicking out between Gray and Parks, the exec VP of production, he exited, and this caused a major rift between those two guys. The studio took two cuts of the film, one of Gray's and one of Parks, because those guys were fighting so much about this film, and they even bickered on things such as color correction. They even disagreed on things like that. This was, it sounded like, such an intense behind-the-scenes drama scene that was unraveling that the studio took two of these cuts. They ultimately went with Parks' version of the film. I'm guessing the reason why is because Parks was the producer for the other Men in Black films. It's like Suicide Squad. Remember they had two cuts and then mm-hmm. they merged them? Yeah. It's exactly what this sounds like. Sony execs said this movie needed a greater reason to be. Here are some deeper reasons on why that may be the case. Original talks at Sony, as we had said earlier in this podcast, that they wanted to cross with MIB and 21 Jump Street. But according to insiders, street producer Neil Moritz refused to compromise and put the street franchise in jeopardy. So he said, no deal. I'm not doing it. I refuse to merge the two. I thought that the leaks, the Sony leaks had something to do with them saying, no, people now know that we are going to do that. We don't want to cross the two. Maybe we'll wait for a later date. But they're not saying that they're waiting for a later date. They just said right now it's off the table. That's why Sony went with a straight up reboot of Men in Black And Sony hoped that Hemsworth and Thompson would be enough of a draw to make this a box office success. The original international script was was supposed to be more timely and would address issues like immigration. So there's your Twilight Zone reference again, the heavy-handedness of it. Lastly, about the production woes. Even after following such a disappointing debut at the box office, a flop, this is what Sony had to say. Aliens Walking Among Us is at its core a great idea. Men in Black will be revisited again at one point, either as a series, as streaming, or as a movie. What do you think about that? Man. Now, we we have something kind of teasing ahead. At the, I mean, we can just talk, let's just talk about it now. You want to bring it up now? Moving forward. What, what did you want to see with this moving forward? Oh, boy. Because... This was... I thought, if you do this again, this would be so much better as like a Netflix eight-episode mm-hmm. series. Oh, but keep it short. It's like short episodes, like 20, up, 20 minutes or so keep each it episode. Tight. But yeah. have, you know, you have a season arc, flesh this out a little bit, because there's a lot of fun that you can do with mm-hmm. it. And it is not maybe. I, I think the idea, like Sony said, it's there, but you just can't put some something out like what they did and expect it to do well. I really like your idea. I never thought of it being a streaming or a TV series, but at one point they were discussing bringing this to light as such, as like a TV show. I'd be down for that. I would like that. At this point, we got a good movie, a bad movie, a good movie with three, a bad movie movie with four. That means we're on to something. The next project will be good. 
I hope so. Do you think they'll merge and try to get Will Smith back? They originally wanted to get Smith and Tommy, but they... Tommy's so old now. I don't know if you can. When they scrapped that idea, they said, you know, we, we just think that'll be... I believe the word that Sony was using was too expansive. I don't know in what way. I guess with the budget, they didn't want it to balloon with Smith's, what he would end up requiring. And like he said... Tommy, at this point, the only thing that I think he's willing to do are movies where he's lost in space and he's Brad Pitt's father. It's funny because the history of Men in Black that we'll kind of get into is Tommy Lee Jones read the script for the original and said that, literally said it stank <gasps> and had to be talked into doing the role from by Steven Spielberg. I love him. And that's kind of with this F. Gary Gray thing is he was, I don't want to do it. And they talked him into it. And look at what, what's happened. This always happens where there's all this infighting and the producers get what they want and they release a movie and it's awful. I don't know if what Gray had in mind would be any better, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine it's any worse. Well, and that's when we were talking about Gray and you said that with his other films, he doesn't have you know this distinctive style. I would have loved to have seen something other than what we got. So that makes me really curious Maybe his version was better. It can't be that much better. Well, they yeah, didn't you can do can't... a bunch of reshoots on this movie, as yeah. far as I can tell. You're right, and as the old phrase goes, if you've got a stinker script, it's going to be a stinker no matter what. You can't edit a bad script. Like, I don't think there's really much saving you can do. Yeah, you in this case, it's just going to be what it is. Which you have insight on how we feel about maybe. You want to get yeah, into- let's just stop right now. <laughs> let's let's dive into our thoughts, starting with fill in the blank. Men in Black International is fill in the blank. It's an instantly forgettable mess. That's l- the only thing I can think of is as it was as I was watching it, I was instantly forgetting what I was watching. Just waiting for it to end. <laughs> I text you right after seeing this to let you know and i had two things so i decided to merge it into this one men in black international is a made for tv movie mess so it's more or less what you said same thing it does remind me of how i i feel like with what whedon did with the the first two avengers movies maybe not as much as ultron or with ultron but those feel like big budget made for TV movies to me. I don't think they're necessarily shot very well. They don't look that great to me. Um, but it, it's like he was given $150 million to make an Avengers movie, but it just happened to be released on TV. I feel the same way with this. There's just no there's no freaking flair to this movie. There's nothing about it that stands out or where it caught my eye. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's just so bland. So bland. And a, a, when a huge portion of your freaking story sets, like takes place on a desert, a, a barren desert, yep, or like this little island community inside of a house. What are we doing? The Men in Black original one is so good because it feels like such an immersive world, like mm-hmm. this well thought out world. And this, we revisit some of those areas, like the headquarters, and it's different than obviously the New York one from the original movie because this one takes place mostly in London. But there's just no, it doesn't feel like there was any like creative thought put into this universe. Yeah. And the more I think about it after seeing International, the more upset I get. Why are we spending 30 minutes in the desert? 
makes I mean that makes no sense. They're trying it's to. A, it, was, it almost feels like a budget thing. Yeah. Well, and Sony wanted to keep the budget relatively low, but at the same time, you got to spend money to make money. Well, if you reboot a series like this, you have to do that. You got to have a little like forward thinking too. If we spend money now, we'll get people back into this franchise. Then we can make more, and we make more money, and you sell more toys. You have to spend money. And if you think about this, too, they pulled in Will Smith in the very beginning. So it's almost like they really gave it all they got in the beginning, and then it just started to fizzle out. What I mean by that, they brought in the singer and movie star. He was, at that moment of Men in Black, at the peak of Will's smith fame right he was putting out a ton of movies he was known as this big box office draw kind of he was in this the beginning this stages, was right? the very beginning because he did bad boys which was huge that was movie number four so it took four movies for him to get huge then he does independence day it's huge the third big movie men in black in this monster this is what's frustrating they really utilized his skills as a as a singer to draw in more people to get them hyped during MTV releasing the music video like you were saying calling and requesting the song you end up attracting people who may not typically go to the movies and they're hearing this song and they're like man this is kind of catchy I'd be up for seeing that I'd be up for seeing Will Smith well you get two well, you bring in Tommy Lee Jones too and you have two different crowds coming yeah. together and in this case you just you bring in Hemsworth and Thompson, and I yeah. do think with the right story, those two are enough. Yes, I completely agree. But with what they had, no. Nope. And Neeson could have been a draw for an older crowd, but he just wasn't really pumped up it's that just much. So cl- everything about the, his plot was so cliche. Well, everything about the movie seemed to be that almost like the and so Andy Carr from Spring Food Mo podcast who we had on our show a couple of weeks ago, I saw him in the theater and I asked him as soon as it was over, I'm like, what do you think about this movie? He's like, meh. And he's like, it's so middle of the road. That's how, honestly, this is. It's so middle of the road. It's so middle of the road that I didn't actively dislike it. I don't think, I don't hate this movie. Yeah. It's just, that's, it's more insulting when you're just so indifferent on something mm-hmm. and that's how I feel about this. It's just so bland. I we We've talked about this and I'm going to flip this to what doesn't work here and three things or less i will say i'll start and say the graphics stink yeah it was just pony pony especially i think all around it doesn't look good and then you start at it's too much cg yeah if you're not going to make it look good because the first one's so good because it's it doesn't have a lot of cg in it number two we've discussed it already lackluster story doo-doo doesn't exist really the third thing so much wasted potential yeah that's the most offensive thing those are my three things the pieces for a good movie are kind of there Mm -hmm. and a lot of that what i mean is basically thompson and hemsworth Mm -hmm. but they just don't capitalize on it it's just this feels almost really rushed in a way too yeah this maybe in the scripting phase or something i don't know i think or just it's to get too it much of they probably had a script with 
21 Jump Street, and they took elements from that with elements of this reboot, and they combined it, and it just doesn't work. I mean, you could go on beyond three. You could probably mm-hmm. we could probably spend all day. I'm gonna echo all that and just say basically everything else because it's not good. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's. It, I don't know how you could sit and watch this and think this is fun. <laughs> we are in a season. I've been complaining about this. None of these movies this summer I want to see, other than a few. And these studios are getting their butts handed to them by releasing yeah. garbage that is not making any money. Just no money. It, this is like flop after flop, basically. Mm-hmm. The the as what it's being called the sequel slump. I think it's more than a sequel slump. It's just a story slumber. Well, that and we are in this weird phase where we have to reboot slash remake everything. And we got Child's Play this weekend. We got Men in Black this last weekend. And you have to have some originality if you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I think one of the one of my big problems with this movie is. The original Men in Black is Will Smith is brand new to the MIB. And they kind of flip it where Tessa Thompson knows about them and mm-hmm. it's her like dream to join them. Do we want another story where it's a new recruit, old recruit? No. They I just don't sp- think it's necessary. Start with her established. Yeah. And you can pepper in her backstory about why she does what she does because she was, you know, infatuated since she was a child and she knew that there was life out there. We don't need I just we don't need a montage of her getting her gun. Mm-hmm. turning it into this stupid rap video. It's just so cheap. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of moments that it was literally call for call the same movie, just not as fun or exciting as the first Men in Black. And there are moment, there are movies where that works. Creed is a good example. Sure. Where it's like, hey, let's remake Rocky, but we have a good story to tell. And we have fo- talented filmmakers bringing it to the screen. I don't think we're, <laughs> that's not what this is. If it is more of this kind of slam or slap in the face, because like you said, there's no vision. It doesn't seem to have any major difference of how this is being brought to the screen, then just don't do it. But Don't do it. It's just kind of insulting. Like, you want me to spend my hard-earned money to watch this? Like, you feel like you didn't put much effort into it. No, sadly. And then, yeah, I just think... I thought Pawnee was grading. That's fun in small doses, but you make him the third wheel, and they kind of set him up to be in the next one, which, God willing, we don't get. <laughs> Hemsworth was just not very good, and I like Hemsworth a lot, but give him something serious along with it. And you're a huge funny Hemsworth fan. I like that, but like I said, with Thor, they're able to balance that out yeah. where he can be serious and... We also have the backstory of those other two movies where I know who Thor is. I don't know. And then, yeah, it's just, there's no flair to this movie. The action sequences are boring. There's no imagination to it. I could go on. It's, did you like the score? I liked hearing the old Danny Elfman No, that was fun. I, that brought back some feels. Yeah, and then seeing the font on screen again, mm-hmm. like, that's cool. But those are the most mundane things you can do to a movie. And they barely get those right. I think they're just trying to capitalize on that nostalgia factor. Yeah, and it's it's very, it's how do we spend the least amount as possible to get people in that like that original franchise, and we don't have to put much thought into it. And I hope I hope it bites them in the butt, and it is. Mm-hmm. But I hope it gets worse. I really do, because they're not going to learn their lesson. We they fall into this stupid trap all the time of hacking up somebody's work, and then the results are disastrous. 
And again, I don't know what Gray w- would have come up with, but at some point you're going to have to trust the filmmaker you yeah. hire. Yeah. It's a freaking dumpster. I, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel in terms of, especially when you said the no imagination, that feels like such a major con, you know? I Did just, you want to see this movie leading up to it? Because no. I can't say the marketing did much for me, but I like the universe enough to think, well, maybe I'll be surprised. And I know the reviews are not good, but I can like something that the critics don't like and I have fun with it. I really was hoping that going into this movie or, or coming out of this and going into this podcast, that I would have a change of heart because the trailers didn't hook me. The idea didn't hook me. I like the idea. Like I said at the beginning of this, I love this this concept, but you have to start with a good story. And it wasn't telling anything we haven't received or, or seen before. And it just felt so lackluster in every imaginable way. And... And while, like in the moment of watching this, there were moments that I I laughed and I was laughing primarily at Pawnee or Thompson's character. But yeah, I like her in this, and that's a thing. So that's frustrating too. Let me, let me talk about what worked because I feel like those are my two things that I have to say, and maybe the only thing I have to say. I. Like Thompson, because you could tell at times she was trying to turn something that obviously she didn't have this concrete, substantial script or or character structure. She's trying to make something out of it. You could see that. And I was loving whenever she – you could just see that. So that I really liked. And also, Camille, I realized while listening to him, I have a lot of fun with his voice. He's – as an actor, someone I would like to see more of in animated films or hear more of. And that made me more excited, hopefully, to hear him as like a major character for a Pixar film. Would you watch a Pawnee spinoff? No. <laughs> Couldn't do it. I couldn't either. Now, if it were free and say it's, you know, like ABC, they ended up releasing a Toy Story short film for Christmas or Halloween, something like that. I'd watch it on ABC if it were free. I think at this point, I'm just like, bring me the check, I'm out. I don't want to do any more of these. Even if it was a Men in Black film that looked good. Like, no thanks. Well, obviously, I guess. <laughs> or if you somehow roped Will Smith back. Ooh. That would be maybe it. But if we're, we got to, they got to really start from scratch go go back to the drawing board but those are the only two things i'm stopping there with what i thought worked do you have anything to say what you thought worked i you said you laughed i don't i think i laughed maybe once but i just didn't i didn't feel anything like no emotion now you ask me what i laughed at i don't remember i don't i don't know either but i don't know i would say maybe tessa thompson is good but even then she's it's just whatever. I don't know if I have anything good to say. You know what? There are moments of creativity, like the little bearded alien. That's mm. the guy's beard, but mm-hmm. it's also the alien. I thought that was, that reminded me of the original. So sure. I'm like, okay, that someone someone thought of something unique and put that on screen. But that's it. And there are there are callbacks to the original. We get a poster of um, mm. J and K fighting. Edgar the Bug that I like that brought back some emotion of oh I enjoy th- this is in a universe where stuff has happened that I've liked I don't think I can say really anything else other than 
Thank God there was no post credit scene. <laughs> we don't have to set it. That was maybe yeah. the smartest thing they did was not really setting up a sequel that we're never going to see. Mm-hmm. I don't. This the whole thing was just crap. I feel tired talking about this movie. This I, is so, so disappointing. I, I was going to say the same that I feel a little drained. Can we find a movie MVP here? Now you have one, right? You have at least an idea of of a, an MVP. Would it be Thompson? I feel like of everything that we've got here, I've got to go with Thompson. Mm. But can you even say that? Sure, I'll give it to her. Or would would the MVP? Because I, I never found myself annoyed with her like I did with Hemsworth. Liam's just not in it a lot, and he's just mm-hmm. Liam Neeson. Emma Thompson's fine, but she doesn't do anything amazing. You know, I mean, I like that they have cool uh, Lexus cars. You know, going off of what you were saying about Thompson, one quick note: they made two quips about it in that saying, "What about women in black?" and changing it. They should have, honestly, they should have changed the entire structure and idea of what if you have women in black and then you have this other organization, maybe a parallel universe. We're already working in this dimension of aliens, so go ahead and use sci-fi. Make this where it's structured and we expand on this in a completely different way. But we're taking this in a new direction. That's what... Like, it was hinted at, almost like they were thinking, the writers were like, you know, maybe that's a good idea, but that was it. It was a joke, left as a joke. And that's it. That was They're just jumping. I frustrating. feel like jumping on the bandwagon of, um, hey, we have to be woke. But I, So let's yeah, put a line in here where she just doesn't like the title of the organization. Maybe, but. That's it, all that felt like to me. It was, so, that, that really upset me because I thought there was so much I felt like they could have done. It's the they second movie it. in two weeks that have made that joke because Dark Phoenix has the thing about X, maybe we should change the name to X Women. Yeah, well. We're just doing that because that's what people are doing now in 2019. But at the same time, if you're going to reboot a franchise, do it in a way that well, literally reboots it, change it all. Remember, it up. they did that with Ghostbusters and everybody lost their minds. Yeah. So there is a backlash of just yeah. fully tilting to one side or the other. That's a good point. I think this is a happy medium. She's our main character. Um, I would say she's the MVP. It's the MVP of maybe the worst team of all time. Though. Oh, so man. it's not, Yeah. and let's not celebrate this too much. <laughs> Rewatchability. Is there any rewatchability to this? I would never actively rent this, buy this. Maybe if I was working out and was there's nothing on TV and this was on TNT, I would flip it on. That is that is that is pushing it, but I would do that. Just like, ah, let's have something on. You text me and asked, would you ever rewatch it? And my immediate response, I didn't even make it all the way through the text before <laughs> I started responding with nah. It was you. I think you wrote that F no. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't say F. I took I took a no from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's it's the very low. I couldn't imagine ever seeing this in theaters again. What do you think about the YouTube moment? Do you have one? Something I, that years down the road, audiences will go to YouTube and search for a specific scene from this film. There is a moment, and throughout the movie, we we at the beginning of the movie, Chris Hemsworth is our hero. We're led to believe that he saved the day like Agents J and K at one point. And he brings this up like a high school quarterback does when he's in his 50s and he keeps reliving the glory years. 
Hemsworth keeps bringing this up, but he doesn't have any details on him being the hero. And we find out he's been neuralized. He pieces together that, oh, wow, I don't know anything about what happened. Really? I know that I, I mean, I was told I did this thing. I believe it, but I don't have any details to back that up. And he realizes he's been neuralized. That is the, maybe the only moment where they do anything with this character where they make him some either serious or where I can actually feel something towards this person. And I think that is the best moment in this movie is the slow realization that, oh, I'm not the big bad hero that I thought I was. That would be the moment I rewatch again. And that's not even like a fun moment, but at least it has, there's some, there's something to that scene. Is it a cop out to say, I don't have one? No. I like talking about this. I can't think of a single thing. What about Rebecca? When we first meet Rebecca Ferguson? Oh, the third arm. And that's revealed. Yeah. I don't know. I only brought that up because she's, she's just so pretty. I love me some Rebecca. I love me some Elsa who she played in Mission Impossible. What if they merge Mission Impossible and The Men in Black? And it's called The Mission in Black. I think Cruz is too smart for that. This is just, (laughs) the way this has been bungled is just so Sony, and we crack on that all the time, but they've actually kind of gotten their crap together with some of these movies we've seen recently. Mm -hmm. This is classic. This is classic Sony. Slip up Sloney. Sony. (laughs) <laughs> or slap to the face, Sony, one of the two. I would rather have just driven to the theater, walked into the auditor- auditorium, just had him slap me, and I could leave <laughs> and have to watch this movie because that's basically what they did to me. Yeah. Only I didn't feel the actual pain on my face. It was just in my gut. It was like you were a punching bag for an hour and 55 minutes. Oh, and you know, this movie felt very long. I thought this was like an hour and a half. Yeah. Because you texted me after you saw the movie, and I was like, that's quick. I was like, well, that's, at least that's one thing. It's like an hour and a half long. It's not an hour and a half. It's like two hours long. It feels like it at times. It feels like I watched the, the Godfather trilogy oh. in one sitting. You watched the Godfather saga where they cut one and two together, and it's six and a half hours long. I thought I had to watch The Hobbit again. Ooh. All, <laughs> all, all of them. them. Overall grade. Um, D minus. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm going with this. I can't go F, but I'm going with the straight D. Yeah, it's it's D D my it's not good. Would would you recommend would you tell others that if you're a fan of this universe, go see it? Could you recommend this or no? Say stay away. I'm always gonna say decide for yourself. And if you like it, that's awesome. And you being a fan of the franchise I think helps a little bit, but if you're going in, maybe if you're going in blind, if you've never seen one of these, Don't that might it. be, you might like this a little bit better. Oh, interesting. Because at least you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, I guess. I, man, that's tough. Because with me having strong feelings at the end, well, it's not like I hated this movie. You're just so like indifferent on it. Yeah, that that's like the best way to describe it. I, I don't, I just don't know if I could recommend it. I mean, if you feel like it and you're a fan of the franchise, but if you're not, I don't know if you would even want to. But, hey, the choice is yours. Which brings me to our next film, the very first film that kicked it all off with Men in Black from 1997. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. 
only here because you're the best of the best, and we're looking for one of you. Hey. What's up? I'm gonna get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank you. I'm fine. Hey, you guys get along all right? All right, I'm in. From now on, you will have no identifying marks of any kind. You are no longer part of the system. We are the men in black. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. Tells the story of a police officer who joins the secret organization of Men in Black. Hmm, that sounds familiar. And Men in Black polices extraterrestrial life on Earth. I like that plot. Very, like, straightforward and simple. Just a nice, simple plot. A little history on it. It's based on the 1990 comic series The Men in Black. From Marvel. Well, it was a property that was eventually bought by, by okay. Marvel. They didn't actually just have it. Because they I just, saw that. It was like a company bought a company and then Marvel bought that company, which is Malibu Comics. I gotcha. So if you watch those originals, it says it's like brought to you by Marvel Comics mm -hmm. or something. This one actually had the original company in the credits. Okay. If you notice that. Director Barry Sonnenfeld. Little fun fact. He worked in the porn industry <laughs> starting off. He eventually was hired to do cinematography for the movie Blood Simple, which is a Coen Brothers movie in 1984. Ooh. He started doing cinematography for them. He did Raising Arizona and Miller's Crossing. He also worked on Throw Mama from the Train, Misery, When Harry Ooh. Met Sally, and Big. Misery. A lot of big movies. He eventually starts directing. He does The Addams Family. Adam's family values for love or money get shorty. Oh, and then he meets Steven Spielberg, or he might have known him. And Spielberg hires him to direct Men in Black. Uh, he did all three of the originals, plus the box office bomb Wild Wild West with Will Smith. <laughs> oh, Sonnenfeld did RV, and his last movie was in 2016. He did Nine Lives. Oh, wow! You'll remember that is the one where Kevin Spacey's mind gets trapped in his daughter's cat. Did you see that movie? I was trying to remember as you were explaining that. And I kept thinking of an animated film. So I... It is not animated. No, I do not remember that. So he hasn't directed a movie since 2016, but he uh, last directed 10 episodes of a series of unfortunate events for Netflix. You know what? Best, best series on Netflix. I didn't watch it. No, I haven't either. Okay. Uh, the movie was written by Ed Solomon. He did both Bill and Ted movies, plus the Ooh. new one shooting right now. He mm -hmm. also wrote Super Mario Brothers. Mom and Dad Saved the World, Now You See Me 1 and 2, and Charlie's Angels, among many things. Men in Black, the budget, $90 million. Far less than what this new one looks. Actually, the budget, $90 million, which is far less than what Mibby cost. And this movie looks a whole lot better. Yeah. Because they put that money to practical use, thanks to Rick Baker. Movie still looks good today. Mm. Came out in 1997. On Blu-ray. Critics loved it 92%. Both Siskel and Ebert liked it. Siskel said the movie was smart enough to know it's silly, to know how silly it is. Um, MIB 2, not as well. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. MIB 3, MIB 3, 68%. So we talked about the box office a little bit. Cost ninety million to make. It made two hundred fifty million dollars here in the U.S. Five hundred eighty-nine altogether. The totals for all these movies have gone down every time. Mib two made one ninety in the U.S.A. Mib three made one seventy-nine. That one actually made a lot of money around the world. Six twenty-four altogether. That's like hmm. almost the biggest one outside mm -hmm. of Men in Black. Mm -hmm. 
Did you know that Men in Black was nominated for three Oscars? Best Makeup, Best Art Direction, and Best Score for Danny Elfman. Do you know who won? Probably Art Direction? Incorrect. Best Makeup. Okay. It was also nominated for Best Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes. It did not win. The cast is interesting because Tommy Lee Jones is first billed on this movie. First thing I noticed was, wow, Tommy Lee Jones gets first billing, and this is like peak. I don't say it's peak. This is the start of the Will Smith summer revolution. Yeah, I guess you also have the weight of Tommy Lee Jones that's been around for, what, three decades at this point, two decades at least? I need to go back and watch two and three because I'm interested because I'm interested to see if Smith is top mm, billed. Yeah. So casting is kind of fun because another actor was offered the role of Kevin Brown, Agent K, which is Tommy Lee Jones' character. Do you know who that person is? No. Clint Eastwood. What? Turned down the part. What did he say? I don't know. It just says he turned down the part. Wow. And again, Tommy Lee Jones said, he, he was like, I read the script, didn't like it. <laughs> and he only, he only accepted it because Spielberg promised that the script would improve. If Eastwood was pitched that today, do you think he would take it? Is he like young, how he was like 20 years ago? No, I'd say. No, I don't think so. And there's less action for him, for his character. So he's 87 years old right now? Yes. <laughs> no, there's no way you'd do that. So yeah, we could have had Clint Eastwood do it. I just think it's funny that Tommy Lee Jones was like, this is crap. I don't want to do it. And he complained that it didn't capture the tone of the comics. Hmm. So he had some vague awareness. Weird. Will Smith plays Agent J. As we mentioned, this is kind of the start of his big yep. blockbuster career. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld's wife saw him on The Fresh Prince and was like, this guy's good. Weird. So she was the reason why, more or less, that he was pulled in. That and Sonnenfeld liked Will Smith in Six Degrees of Separation. One person that turned it, actually two people that turned it down, Chris O'Donnell. I believe it. He said, no, it's too similar to Dick Grayson, whom he played in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. This is the one that blows my mind the most. Friend star David Schwimmer turned the world down. Why? He just, he didn't want to do it. Now, I'm trying to rack my brain around this. This was in the middle of Friends, right? Or was this right before Friends? 97? Yeah, so when did say Friends 96, come out? That would have probably been around that period. Right at the beginning of Friends, maybe? That's the thing, like, if you do that, that's almost... Now, I, I don't know how this is going to sound. That's almost like Michael J. Fox going with Family Ties and doing Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was two years end of Friends. Friends came out in 94. Can you imagine Schwimmer as the action star in this? It's three years into it. Yeah, I, I can't, but... I can't either. Do you think he would have blown up after this? I don't think it would have been very good. I don't, I don't think, think so we'd either. get sequels like we got with this. No, because Smith brought so much to this, and we'll all save it, but yeah, I can't believe that. So this also says Will Smith accepted the role after meeting with Spielberg. So Spielberg was... Really elemental in getting both Tommy Lee and Will Smith hmm. on board because it seems like both of them maybe had a little trepidation, maybe not as much with Will Smith. And then we have Linda Fiorentino as uh, Dr. Laurel Weaver. She eventually becomes Agent L, who we never see again. <laughs> and fun fact, I guess, I looked this up. I'm like, 
This movie sets up her to be Will Smith's partner in MIB2, and she's never seen again. Hmm. And they find a way to bring back Tommy Lee Jones, who has been neuralized. I looked it up. Apparently, Tommy Lee Jones, she was hard to work with. Tommy Lee Jones is vocal about not liking her <laughs> and the difficulties. And he seems to be kind of a curmudgeon. He sure. complains about a lot of stuff, so yeah. I don't know. I couldn't really find much information. I don't think she's ever talked about it. But something had to have happened for them to set up basically what they do with Mibby, which is a male-female lead yeah. for the MIB. And they don't they don't capitalize it on the next two movies. And then the big bad, as Edgar the Bug, Vincent D'Onofrio. Is that how we say that right? D'Onofrio? Mm-hmm. He is a giant, giant alien insect who eats a farmer and uses his skin <laughs> as a disguise. And what I love about this movie, one of my favorite things is within maybe the first 10 minutes, we meet Tommy Lee. We meet Will Smith and we meet Vincent D'Onofrio and we set up every single one of those characters within the first 15 minutes. Loves that. And we do one in a row. And what... One thing I didn't mention with what I think Mibby's one of its biggest faults is there's no villain in that movie. No. Because they try to keep the the actual villain a secret. And one thing that Men in Black does smartly is let's introduce the villain first and let's follow him throughout the movie as we follow the other main characters. Now, at one time for Mibby, the villain was discussed as being similar to the Beatles where there are four characters and they merge into a super group or villain and they become one as a villain but i would most of the time it's it's kind of the the matrix reloaded where it had ghost mm. there's like the twins mm-hmm. and they kind of stalk around the entire movie but there's really they're cool but there's no personality yeah. to them and maybe kind of has characters like that yeah that i don't think they ever speak they're just like two two dudes that go around fo- or just following our main characters. It's just the villains are awful. But not in the case with Men in Black. No. Men in Black nailed it for a lot of this. When's the last time you saw Men in Black? Because I I think I said earlier, it had been more than a decade, maybe 15 years since I've seen this movie. I saw a part of this about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, only during the interview scene or whenever Will Smith goes in to fill out his application. Very, that was a very funny scene. Laughing. Nons- I couldn't. I could not stop watching that. It's a scene that somehow extends for maybe three minutes, and it's very awkward but very funny. I watched that from start to finish and got in another ten-minute run while watching that. Will Smith is not. I wouldn't say he's a comedic, like a physically comedic actor, but he does little things in that scene that are very funny. But yeah. I mean, they really utilized Will Smith. Or rather, he just... They they allowed the camera to stay on him and just keep going. And the reaction of the people around him. Yeah. It had been a while since I've seen it. I remember seeing this as a kid in theaters. I don't... I would assume probably opening weekend. I was in the sixth grade. And I loved it. Loved this movie as a kid. Yeah. I did too. I thought it was funny. I really liked Will Smith returning to it. That's another thing that I think holds up really well and his chemistry with Tommy Lee Jones. But I would say that the entire film, seeing it from start to finish, I would say when it first came out, maybe, maybe 2000. That's been almost 20 years ago. So that was the last time you've seen it. Yep. Did you see this in theaters when it first came out? No. 
I did not. I want to say I watched this maybe as a rental. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I was hooked because of the music. I, now, I remember the, the song coming out, and it was so popular. It's like, you got to go see this movie. Yeah, I couldn't escape it. And it was one of those that even though I didn't see it in the theater, I was for sure first to rent it whenever it came out. But, I, I had a little trepidation w- watching this again because I didn't. I was worried it was not going to hold up. What, when the trailer came out, we were talking about doing this podcast. I was very excited to return to the first Men in Black, but not International. Yes. And that that was so uh, kind of predictable, but also I was really looking forward to this. I guess if that, that could be the best thing about maybe is it made me want to revisit these movies. Yeah. Which I know two of the three I'm going to like. What do you think holds up the most? Oh, wow. I honestly think it's Will Smith. I, it's just the fact of his his humor just little nuanced decisions he goes with. I find myself laughing, even though that's not the punchline. And like you were saying during that interview scene, oh man, there's just so much, but that's the one thing that I think stands out. They they utilize the story well. This is the time that I think it works. There, there are a lot of things, but to boil it down to one thing, I've been having to... I don't know. I don't know if I can. There's can, a, can there's you? a good, there's a freshness to this movie where, mm-hmm. like maybe it doesn't feel this way, but with this, it feels like somebody spent years crafting this world mm-hmm. and coming up with like fun elements to it, and it feels lived in. I love the moments of we are Will Smith where we're experiences experiencing this for the first time, like. The scene where he delivers the baby on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. It's just like this oddball humor where he's in the background doing wacky stuff. And Tommy Lee's the straight man. Their chemistry in this is still incredible. Yeah. I don't know if Tommy Lee had fun making this movie. (laughs) I don't know what his relationship is with Will Smith to this day. They did three of these movies, so I imagine it's probably okay. Tommy Lee seems like he probably complains about a lot of stuff, but I bet... He probably had fun with the, these these movies, mm-hmm. and um, this is. I still think this is a one because they use a lot of practical effects, and still looks good. Uh, all yeah. these years later, I think Sonnenfeld is good behind the camera. I love Edgar. He's just like this disgusting <laughs> villain that I think when he goes full CG, when it's the full cockroach or whatever, that's when it suffers a little bit. Sure, but. Vincent is incredible in this. So you have incredible main characters and incredible vil- an incredible villain. I 100% agree with all of that. And I remember with Edgar loving. I think he holds up as one of the most fun villains we've had in a franchise for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, he I honestly, I would rank him up there with Loki. I would rank him up there toward the top of fun villains. They, now he's goofy. He's not necessarily like your straight villain, but yeah, I just returning to it, he just He's just so disgusting. Disgustingly fun. And I think he's actually an improvement over over Edgar, who was just probably in the running for Husband of the Year. <laughs> yeah. Or he, maybe the worst husband of all time. He was about to be taken out. That scene reminded me a lot of Creep Show whenever Stephen King 
and and it's like a short like 10 or 15 minute bit in creep show where he finds this meteorite and then he's covered in this mossy green goop and I, get it. I love the introduction to edgar where it's just like this shot outside the house for two minutes where he's <laughs> verbally abusing his wife. The only thing that holds up around here is my truck. And then it gets And smashed. then we slowly see in the background this ship come crashing down and destroy his <laughs> truck. It's just a great introduction. I loved it. What doesn't work, if anything? I think at times, as you said, the graphics definitely show anytime they veer away from the practical effects. That's whenever it really starts to show. And it has like what I call the Y2K appeal of graphics where it's almost like the computer didn't quite finish rendering and it kind of is choppy, this choppiness to the to this the quality of the graphics. That's what I, I don't think really holds up. And I don't really have a lot of negatives to say about this. That may be it. I don't think I do either. I do think the ending is a missed opportunity with Agent L because it would have been intriguing to see what they did with those two characters. And bringing back Tommy Lee in the second one after he's been neuralized seems like a cop-out. Yeah. But we don't need to get into the sequels problems because I haven't seen that in so long. I, I honestly True. can't even remember how he gets brought back into the fold. Yeah, and I, I don't remember that either. I remember it was brought up, I believe, in the third film, but I don't know how. I think this movie's not too crazy long. I think it's an hour and 37 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen this movie in so long, but it was very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And I, t I honestly will have a tendency to be, if I've seen something too many times, to, to kind of want to zone out or have this kind of wrap up. I had the lingering effects of that with this one where I just, I know this movie by heart after all these years. And it sticks with you. So it's not a fault of the movie, but I kind of, I was just like, all right, let's wrap this up already. It, it that, somehow feels a little long, even though it's not long. Yeah. But I think if I was watching this fresh and had not spent my childhood watching this over and over again, I would not have that issue. But at least it has that effect of, of staying with you, this lasting effect, whereas maybe 20 years from now, you'll return to like, huh, Pawnee. Jeez. <laughs> so I think I know what your movie MVP is going to be. Yeah, Will it's Smith? pretty obvious. Yep. I, I'm going to do something different. I think Danny Elfman's score is incredible. It's so much fun. So I always kind of forget hearing the theme again. I'm like, that's the Men in Black mm -hmm. theme. I kind of forgot that. For some reason, I kind of always think Beetlejuice for some reason when yeah. I hear it. It's kind of similar. So I'll say Danny Elfman gets my MVP. It's just an iconic score. A, clo a close second is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith's chemistry. It just, like you said, to the definition of the straight man and the silly man. A lot of fun. What about what Will Smith is wearing when we are meeting him for the first time? Because <laughs> it looks like he's got basically a prison yeah. jumpsuit, but the top is like folded down. And what was he wearing? It would just what basically his wardrobe was in Bad Boys. I d yeah, I don't remember wearing that as a kid. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not Will Smith, so I didn't have the money to buy that. Yeah, it's expensive, but also looks cheap. He looked cool, though. He uh, He's able to pull off a lot of good looks. Rewatchability from Men in Black. High. Still pretty high. Yeah, I would, I would still say peak of Men in Black. At the end of the at the end of the day, this movie holds up. Yeah, it does. It a really does. A surprising amount. 
for a movie that came out so long ago, but they just did everything right. Well, the thing, so, and this is where it's kind of interesting for our typical upgrade, downgrade, or stays the same. I, I mean, going into this, I was looking forward to this, and I'm going to say stays the same, but I already really like this movie. Yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I would say stays the same, too, because I already had high marks on it. What's your YouTube moment? YouTube moment? What's mom- your favorite oh, movie? Man. movie? Uh, that's a, there's so many YouTube moments in this. It may be the baby on the side of the road. That's what I was going to say, too. Because I remember seeing that, like a clip of that, whenever this movie first came out, lost my mind. It happened again, close to losing my mind. I still, I just, I ate it up. And the the visual gags, the comedic bits, the timing, it just worked. And that's something that I can't say maybe... It, it everything that's great in this movie is just severely lacking in maybe. Yeah. Overall grade for the original Men in Black. Man, I'm going with A minus. I almost went with B for Men in Black, <laughs> like B plus. But I'm going A minus because this was just so much fun to return to. I'll say A minus too. Does it make you want to watch feels, the second and third one? Yes. Yeah, it, I do too. This feels high. Like A minus feels high, but I'm okay with that. I know that at least. With this, watching this film, I recommend it highly. And it really kind of rejuvenates this optimism of they could do a lot with the franchise if it were in good hands. That's why I think do a show. Take your time with the show. This is, dare I say, a genuine classic. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree, and the the era that it was released, I would 100% agree with that. I think it's one of Smith's best movies. I would put it above Independence Day. I like Bad Boys, too, by the way. I'm a big, I like Michael Bay. Even when he he shoves his head up his own butt a lot, (laughs) especially with some of the, with these Transformers movies. Pain and game, baby. But I like Bad Boys. Yeah, Bad Boys is a lot of fun. This, this is definitely the era of where Will Smith that I, when I rewatch scenes, I want to get more of. Like just referring to his big movies, because like Ali's, yeah. I think Ali's great. So his he's got Bad Boys for Life coming up next mm-hmm. year. Later this year, Spies in Disguise. He's got Gemini Man, which I don't think that preview is very good. But Doesn't look good. And it's the awesome. plot and Ang Lee yeah, but have me wanting to see it. This film has been trying to get made for years. And with different actors and directors attached. Then he had Aladdin earlier this year. So and we also three have, movies this year. We also have Eight Pounds, the sequel to Seven Pounds with him. <laughs> Hopefully uh, that gets made. 2017 was Bright. Woo. Which I feel like you and I defended for how bad it was. It was it was fine. I've never wanted to go back to it, yeah. actually. It was one of those, I think, as Netflix, the more original films and shows that come out, I think we'll end up saying, yeah, it's a good Netflix film. That's an original. Not great. Not something you'd pay for, but you're like, I'm at home alone. It's a bad, good Netflix Yeah, film. it's an hour and a half of time I'm looking to burn. Go watch that. That's how I feel like we'll eventually start seeing some of these movies and classifying them as. And that's where that ranks, more or less. That's going to do it for this Men in Black episode. Any other lingering thoughts that you have on Mib? No. Just 
I, I guess just if you want to rewatch Mib, watch Mib, and if you want to see International, see International. But beware. Uh, just don't come to me crying when you <laughs> think it's a stink fest. Kind of like what we're going to get into next week. Very nervous about next week. Yeah, so our next episode is going to spotlight the new Child's Play, and we're returning to the classic Child's Play that's on Amazon right now. You're nervous, I'm nervous about it. We have not seen or heard a lot of this Chuckster or Buddy with an eye who sits in a cloud. I saw a new photo from the movie, and it's Andy. I assume his name is still Andy in this. He's playing, I think, chess or something with Chucky, with Buddy. So Before I, it goes haywire. I don't know. I just think it's, again, I think it's odd we have yet to see this doll in action, like physically move. And I think we're going to be in for another poo-poo movie. Oh, boy. I hope not. Regardless, whatever happens, we'll be here to bring you the latest on the next rebooted franchise. So don't forget that you can rate us and subscribe so that you know when a new episode of Quality Check drops into your podcast player. You can follow us on Twitter at Quality Check Pod, Instagram Quality Check Podcast, or shoot us those emails about Andy or Buddy to QualityCheckPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, come to MIBs. That was rough. I... I seriously hope I never have to think or talk about that movie ever again. You know, I think I can help you with that. What, t- what time is it? Did you, uh... It's, uh, I don't know, it's not too late. You want to go see a movie? Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about Men in Black International. You want to see it? I'm down, let's do it. Let's go. Oh, snap! It doesn't matter if you're wearing that classic Men in Black outfit or not, but Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.